one of the things that happens often in, in orthodoxy is we, we tend to become very ritualistic. Um, and ritual is important. Um, I'm not demeaning ritual, because our, our God actually sanctioned us to do rituals. From the Old Testament and the New, He put order, um, and He gave things meaning. But sometimes we start to forget what the point of the ritual was, and we start to focus only on the rituals themselves. And we see this most embodied, I think, in, in the, the, the social group of the Pharisees. Um, and a Pharisee, um, the word Pharisee means to divide, which is what we still say today about bishops and, and, and priests, is that we say that they rightly divide the word of truth. So they are actually saying, in English, rightly Pharisee, the word of truth. So the word Pharisee originally wasn't a negative thing, um, but we, we sometimes get distracted from the goal. So God created us in His image and likeness, right? We fell from that, and anything falling short of that is disease. We consider any kind of sin as a disease, regardless of what sin it is, it's some kind of disease. But because we got used to doing wrong, we forgot what healthiness felt like, right? We felt what, we lost what perfection looked like, and that's why God gave the law. So God gave the law so that we would know what the, the golden standard is, so that when we're sick, we know that there's some kind of objective health measure that exists that we're supposed to be attaining to. And the more that we do wrong, right, the more sick we become, and the more sick we become is that we even forget the joys of being healthy. We might even start to prefer being sick um, because we don't recognize anything else other than that. And so when God gave the law to them, it wasn't to say, I want you to behave in this way just because I randomly like it. It was to say, I want you to understand that this is how you're supposed to be and that when you don't, you lose communion with me, right? You lose the ability to have a conversation with me because light and darkness don't coexist. And so I can't work with you, right? I can't work with somebody who's actively electing to reject health, right? It would be like a, a doctor who's trying to treat a patient, and the patient is saying, I don't really care about your treatment. I'm going to leave here and do whatever I want. So at some point, the doctor might try at the beginning to make them like health. They might plead, they might prod, they might do whatever, but there reaches a point where the doctor says, well, when you're ready to have a conversation and do something about your health, and then then come. And so this is what we see how God dealt with the whole assembly, the, the church of the Old Testament. <coughs> but as we say in the liturgy, he didn't abandon them, right? He gave them prophets, he gave them the writings, he had a voice to say, here's the right thing. And he appointed rituals for them to understand it. So when everybody went astray and they went into captivity, the people said, okay, God abandoned us or God stopped working with us, God took away our nation from us because we sinned, right? Which was partially true. And so their, their visceral reaction to that was, okay, we better not break the law ever again, right? Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble. So let's appoint people to become the experts of the law, right? So that they can rightly divide the law and tell people how to behave. And these were the Pharisees. And so the Pharisees started off with a great rule, right? Is that they were saying, these are wrong behaviors. This is not, this is against the law. And that was a very good thing. This wasn't a bad thing. Um, it was something helpful to the people. 
But the issue is when when you put too many rules, right? When you put too much structure is that you start to to forget the joy or the love that is in freedom, right? Is that God didn't originally create humanity with 500 million rules, right? He said, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll raise you, I'll teach you, okay? And just don't touch that tree, okay? Like, that's the only thing that I'm asking from you. And even some of the fathers say that there was going to be a time when they would eat from the tree, right? So it wasn't even like there was going to be a, a, an infinite ban on, on this tree. It was, this is not for you to eat right now. You're not ready yet for the, the knowledge. You're not ready for, yet to process the information that's going to come with this. The same way that we tell our young kids sometimes that they're not allowed to do something, not because the thing is bad, but because they're not, they're not ready for it yet. So our, our God's attitude from the beginning was one of, was one of fellowship, um, one of communion, one of, one of health, right? And we see him continuously outreaching the people. But once you get into the overly ritualistic, when you forget that these things are put there as a sign and as a symbol, you start to estrange people from the assembly, right? Because at one point they don't know why they're coming anymore, right? Because then it turns into almost like the Roman gods, where it's like, are you just waiting for me to offer you my sacrifices, right? Do you just want my money and my oil, right? Do you just want me to kill animals for you? What is God going to do with animals, right? What is God going to do with cash, Right? There's nothing that he actually has to do with those things. And so, our Lord saw that part of the brokenness of humanity was not just that they were living in sin, but was that even the church itself had forgotten her mission. The church herself had forgotten her mission of taking care of the people, of there being a sort of pastoral care to them. And the end result was that you have a bunch of leaders who are yelling and screaming at the people, telling them how to behave while they themselves were not doing the right things. You had exceptions here and there. We see people like Nicodemus, right, who comes to him by night, who, who did actually want the truth, who did care. And I'm sure that there are individuals who existed, but the system as a whole was losing her way. And those who wanted to be close to the establishment would participate in those things. And so one of the things that we see our Lord restoring when he comes is his whole personability, right? When we look at these stories, um, we see our Lord healing Simon's mother-in-law. Many men are upset that he did that, I'm sure. Um, but he's going to the people, right? He's no longer saying, um, I'm only going to heal you if you show up at this service, right? That's going to be the only time that I'm willing to deal with you. He's not saying, if you don't do these prerequisites, I'm not going to offer you that thing that you're looking for. He's making himself deeply and truly um, accessible to them. He's liberating them. He's acknowledging that the sin is wrong, right? So he's not coming at them of saying, yeah, it's all right, no problem, everybody sins, no big deal, have a great day, right? He says to them many times, no, you're, you're sick because of your disease, right? Like this is the reason for your sickness, but I'm not rejoicing in your disease, Right? I'm not happy that you're sick. I'm not telling you, well, you're sick because you didn't like me. Right? But I'm going to just teach you the right way by being the right way. Right? This was, was his way. And that's why we see that the reaction to his healing of Simon's mother-in-law is that when you experience the healing touch 
of God, when you have experienced the joy of the presence of God, your natural impulse is to do the right thing. It's, it is to want to be good. This woman who has just been in bed with a fever and not feeling well is healed, and instead of sitting down to celebrate or go tell her friends, she says she got up and served them, right? She got up and started making food and tea or whatever it was that they would drink at the time, right? And, and started giving it to all the people that were there. And then it says that in the evening, right, which is supposed to be the time of, of rest, right, instead of our Lord resting, you see that they're bringing to him everybody who is sick or possessed, right, and, and, and he's not turning them away, right? He's, he's fixing the problems, he's, he's restoring them to health. And we're going to see the same thing in tomorrow's Gospel in the story of Zacchaeus. Um, because Zacchaeus' story, I think, is a really compelling one. Zacchaeus actually um, ended up becoming a bishop um, in the church. But here you have somebody who was working for the enemy. He was so turned off by the establishment, right, that he had no problem collecting money for the occupants of their land, right? Where he was like, whatever, if it brings me money, right, I'm not getting much from the church, right? So I may as well do this. And they're corrupt anyway. But you see in him, because we sometimes think that somebody who's not in the rituals, we think that somebody who's not in the formal clothing of righteousness that we're used to seeing, must be spiritually dumb, right? Or spiritually unintelligent and doesn't want anything. But here we see in Zacchaeus, one of the most authentic seeking of truth in the stories of the Gospels. Because... Zacchaeus had nothing that he needed from Christ from a secular perspective, right? From a secular perspective, he was filthy rich, right? He was living in peace with the Romans, so he wasn't even worried that the Romans were going to do anything to him. He had a family, he had his whole thing going. And he was living the way he did because that's what made sense to him, right? Because based on what he was seeing, that was the natural response to it. And so here we see a, a really important line about what Zacchaeus does. My father confession when I was in Canada used to always highlight this line to me. Um, he was trying to see Jesus, and it says in the King James, for who he was, right? Where it was not for a miracle, right? It wasn't for a gift that he thought he was going to receive. It wasn't for healing. It wasn't for deliverance, even though he did need healing. He didn't know he needed healing, but he did need healing. He needed spiritual healing. And so he came to Christ very authentically, right? And actually was so not caring about how people thought of him that you see a grown man climbing a tree in public, right? Like we, 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 we read the story and we say it casually because we've read it so many times, but I can't imagine seeing like a short, stubby guy making his way up a tree in public because he just wants a view, right? Like, that's not normal <laughs> by any standards, not even by modern standards. But he was that <laughs> authentic and saying, I, don't, I actually don't care what they think. I don't care if they think it's hilarious. Who is that guy? Why do people like him? What is it that he's saying? What is it that he's doing? And our Lord didn't disappoint, right? Our Lord didn't, and our Lord didn't even call him out, right? Like, he didn't be like, oh, fancy, you're here. You're the guy extortioning my people. Right? Like, there was no negative reaction to him. It was joy, right? He goes, Zacchaeus, hurry up and get down, 
from whatever you're doing up there because I want to I wanna come to your house, right? And again, this personal touch of saying, I'm going to come even to your home, right? Not even just like in a public place. I'm going to enter your home if you're willing to have me. And he hurried and came down. And it says he received Jesus with joy, right? Where he was just like, wow, like he is somebody who actually likes me. And he, I'm sure, knows that I'm not um, the normal guy. Um, and you see the reaction of the people is the reaction that I'm worried about in, in our modern culture that we have to be very aware of. Because this man is happy. Our Lord is happy, right? If we actually cared about God's will, well, God is clearly happy. But the people grumbled and said, he has gone in to stay with a man who's a sinner, right? Like, why would God go sit with sinners? Because they forgot <laughs> that the whole point was restoration from disease, was for healing, right? Is that this is the mission of the church through Christ, because God wants to heal us from our iniquities. And so rather than rejoicing that somebody might get better, they're angry that somebody isn't forming towards their system, right? Because to them, it's just the, the actions. If he's not there bringing his doves and slaughtering his, his lambs, <coughs> then something's wrong with him. But this isn't the way that the Lord looked at him. And we don't see anything of the conversation between our Lord and him, other than that, just from the effect of having Christ live for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, who knows, two hours of dinner um, and, and passing time with him, right? And, and passing time with him, not even in a ritualistic manner, right? Like they're just having a meal. Zacchaeus' immediate response is a change of heart, right? Is to say, I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor, right? And that wasn't the law. Right? The law was way less than one half. The law was one tenth. Right? And he was like, I'm going to give 50%, not one half that I'm going to give to the poor. And this was like, he's like, I'm going to start with that. And if in addition to that, I have wronged somebody, right? I am not only going to pay it back to them, I'm going to give them four times what I stole from them. Like, it, like, to me, like, I don't know how much, he must have been, like, either filthy rich, or he was going to have nothing left by the end of him restoring all of this and doing what he was doing. It means that the interaction with Christ, right, was enough for him to see that the way that he was going was wrong. His eyes were not on how wrong the rest of the world were, right? He was convicted personally and felt the need for himself to repent, and that's why our Lord says, today salvation has, has come. And affirms that this is a son of Abraham. He said, this is a member of the church, right? This guy that has been ostracized by you is a member of the church. And salvation has come here, he's been saved. And so we need to really reflect on our way of seeing the church, right? And our Lord, like I said, he didn't condemn the church. That's why I'm not slamming ritual, because when he healed people, he sent them back to the church. He sent them back to the church knowing that there were issues in it. He still sent them back and said, present when he healed the lepers. He said, go present yourself before the priest. Right? He didn't say, well, I'm God and I already know you're fine. Just go back. He said, no, do what is the custom. Go back to the priest. So he respected the law, but he kept on emphasizing that the point of the law, the point of the ritual, the point of the service, the point of everything 
is to restore us to spiritual health, is to restore us to unity with Christ, and that a person who genuinely experiences the love of God by being genuine in their seeking, by looking for Christ for who He is, not for what they want, are those who are converted and are those who end up changing society and the world around them. Glory be to God forever.